Over these summer Sundays, we have been considering the subject of balance. Um, We've been looking at, as the bulletin indicates, uh, we've talked about work and family and love and health, friendship, church is today. Money was last week. We tricked you all on that one. And, uh, and so I want us to consider uh, this passage of Scripture particularly and to think about balance. We have this image of balance before us, and I hope that in your mind that you are thinking more and more about the importance of balance in your own life through choices that you make. It is clear to me as we look at this passage of Scripture and really the whole of the letter that Paul wrote to uh, the church in Philippi that he had a deep love for these young Christians. In chapter 1, he states very clearly that he gives thanks every time he remembers them, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, he says, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. He shares with them in that same beginnings of this letter about his imprisonment and about how he sees that differently than the world might see it. You and I look at our problems and we think to ourselves, what calamity has happened to me And who is it that needs to save me from this? And we call upon God to help us with our difficulties. Interesting here is that when Paul talks about his imprisonment, he says that it's for Christ that he is imprisoned. According to how you look at your difficulties, it might be that you could see Christ at work through the difficulty rather than seeing it simply as an obstacle to Christ in your life. In the second chapter, the Apostle Paul talks talks to them even more so about Christ. And here in this passage, he talks about Christ's humility and about taking this on in our own selves. Let this same mind be in you, he says, that was in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave. What an interesting notion that Christ came not as a ruler, but as a slave. And he does not claim to have all of this figured out. The Apostle Paul tells those early Christians He said, work this out with fear and trembling, your own salvation, for it is God who is at work in you. He knew this in himself, that God was at work. The passage that has been read for us this morning helps us to understand just how fervently the Apostle Paul believes. He talks about his credentials But he says, all of these credentials, these credentials that I have even above what anybody else in his audience would have, he says, all of that is refuse and that the only thing that is important is that he knows Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. 
he goes on to point out that not though that he has obtained this in its entirety, but he presses on to make it his own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. In the midst of this sharing, he calls for the unity of the people because there are divisions. And in the fourth chapter, he talks specifically about the names. I'm not going to call the names of anybody in this congregation this morning that might be divided over certain issues, but I'm going to call out these two again, Euodia and Syntyche, and say that the Apostle Paul felt so strongly about this idea of unity that he spoke these persons by name into the letter. I urge you, Euodia, and I urge you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Such powerful, powerful images of coming together and being united. Finally, he says, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is a short letter. I would encourage you to read it for yourself in its entirety this afternoon. What a beautiful letter it is an expression of love from the Apostle Paul's heart to this church at Philippi. Paul was searching in his life and seeking to give to those that were there and that were listening this sense of balance and strength and mixed with this humility of Christ. He was busy with the work of God And for him, this was a heavenly call that the church would be busy about the business that Christ had called it to. I was reading about Jim Henderson, who was telling the story of having made a trip into the Home Depot not long ago. And as he went into the Home Depot, he was looking for a thingamajigget. Have you ever been looking for a thingamajigget? And as you go into the store, you're overwhelmed by all of these other thingamajigs that are there in the store as well. And so you think to yourself, well, if I go down this aisle, perhaps I'll get there or this aisle that I'll get there. And then he came to the realization that he had no idea where this thing was in the store. And so it immediately came to him that I need to, that he needed to find a store employee. Well, This was another venture in and of itself. He said that every store employee was fully at work at their job. There were some that were packing the the shelves with new items that had been shipped in. There were some that were on the telephone. There were some that were communicating from one side of the store to the other with walkie-talkies. And they, as they were communicating, they, he said it felt like they didn't want to be interrupted. They were busy with their work. And so he said it occurred to him as he walked out of the store, he said, is this what the church is like at its worst? That we become so focused on the mechanics and the structure of what we are about that we forget the purpose that Christ has intended for us, that he has called us to share in this sharing of good news 
to the world, not to be so focused on ourselves. John Wesley was concerned about this. He saw it in the Anglican church. In England, as he was a priest there, he began a movement that was called Methodism. And as he did, he called these early Methodists to embrace the idea that they were called to works of piety, yes, gathering for worship, spending time in prayer, both corporately in the church and also with family, spending time in private prayer, coming together for receiving of Holy Communion and embracing baptisms of themselves and others that would come and join join in the faith. But John Wesley said there are two parts, not one, to this important matter of following Christ. Works of piety, but also works of mercy. And this is a part of the DNA. It should be a part of the DNA of we who call ourselves Methodists, that we are called to be a people that find the mercy of Christ to be an expression of the grace of God, not only in other people's lives, but in our lives as well. We are called to be this expression in the world. It is a balance, a balance of piety and mercy. Coach Paul, the Apostle Paul, said something that seems to be very self-focused even egotistical if you misunderstand it. He says, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. How many people have you heard say that, that thought they had all of the right answers? Washington is having some trouble with this right now, right? Congress is struggling with the idea that is filled with people that all believe that they have the one right answer. But the Apostle Paul is not coming at it from that perspective. He is coming at it from the perspective that all of us share in the sense of the maturity, the maturity of the faith as it happens within. And that because of that, we are called into this sense of unity of purpose. It's not an ego-driven thing. It is a matter of looking very clearly at who Christ is and those who are emulating Christ, who are receiving Christ in such a way as to make him present most among us. The Apostle Paul said that the enemies that we have among us are the ones that only want to focus on themselves Their God is the belly. Their God is the God that only wants their answers to every issue. Straining forward to what lies ahead, the Apostle Paul encourages these early Christians to understand themselves not as people that are on the way to heaven, but as people that are reflecting of heaven on the way to them. This is a very different understanding, even in our day and age, 
of what heaven is about. Don't you remember that Jesus spoke over and over his parables about the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven upon the earth? Even in that wonderful prayer that we prayed this morning, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps it would be better called the Disciples' Prayer. We ask that the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven because Jesus taught us to pray this into reality. Paul talks about our having a citizenship in heaven. But he's not talking about that happening at some point in the future at the time of our death. He is talking about the reality of that this very day. I love to look at the National Geographic magazine. Do any of you receive that magazine? I tell people that I read articles in the National, Mag- National Geographic magazine, but really what I'm doing is mainly looking at the pictures. It is a great magazine filled with pictures. And the most recent issue hasn't disappointed me. I was looking at it just a couple of days ago, and I came upon a page that had some pictures of rocks there, Those of you who know me know that I collect rocks. And so I stopped and I had to examine these rocks that were on that page. And I thought, these are beautiful rocks. They have these forms in them that are just outstanding. But then I began to read the little short article underneath. And it explained that these rocks were found by a man in Norway and this man by finding these rocks did something that scientists thought was impossible. Have you ever heard anyone talk about stardust? Have you heard that scientists believe that everything on this planet is shaped and formed by the dust of other planets that infiltrates everything that is here. Stars exploding millions of light years away, asteroids running into each other in outer space and spilling their dust into our atmosphere. What this man in Norway believed was if that's the case, we ought to be able to find some of it. Scientists have looked and looked and not been able to identify it. But he thought to himself, if we could go to a place like Antarctica, where it was just completely bare of any kind of human touch and disturbance, surely we would be able to find these kinds of specks of another world here in our world. And yet he thought, I can't go to Antarctica and study this. And another idea came to him and he crawled up on his roof, a flat surface, and he began to dig into the gutter that would collect the rainwater from his roof And he brought down into his house this sludge 
and he let it dry out. And he took a strong magnet and he ran it over the face of that sludge and small particles began to bond to the magnet. He scraped the particles off the magnet and took it to scientists and had them examine it under a microscope to see if his theory was correct. What scientists had never been able to see, all of a sudden they realized that what he had done was absolutely right. He had collected stardust and those pictures were pictures of rocks too small for us to imagine. Throughout all of the world, throughout all of the world, whether we would acknowledge it or not, wherever we walk, every step we make, we are walking on stardust. Now, I know you're wondering, what's he gonna do with this image? Can't you imagine heaven in this way? Can you imagine that the Apostle Paul from that moment of his conversion where Jesus spoke to him and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? That it changed his perspective on life. And from that moment on, heaven was in breaking upon him. And that everywhere he looked and everything that he did, even sitting in a jail cell, he could see heaven breaking in on him. Everything was defined by Christ. We are called to be a holy people. John Wesley certainly loved to talk about holiness. But his idea of holiness was not just simply praying or worshiping, singing hymns. His idea was that every aspect, especially those aspects of mercy, draw us into the very presence of Christ. There are divisions. And Paul says, be of the same mind, which is not an easy thing to do. Even in the denomination of which we are a part, there are people with very variant ideas of what the church is supposed to be. In fact, over the next two years, you will be fascinated at how many stories arise because of the issues of division. I have great faith in God to do a miracle of work in the Methodist church. And I pray that somehow we will be of the same mind, even if we are not always of the same opinion. We will be of the same mind. And that if we think differently about anything, this too God will take care of. You and I sang a song at the beginning of this service and it is fascinating in its wording. I, by its tune, was taken into the season of Advent because some of you may have recognized it's to that tune 
Come thou long-expected Jesus. But these words were absolutely prophetic. Did you pay attention to that fourth verse that we sang together? As two currents in a river fight each other's undertow till converging they deliver one coherent, steady flow. The Apostle Paul is saying to us, in our balance, in our balance with piety and mercy, we can find that place where we can serve God. In our balance with a focus on self and a focus on others, we can find this balance that will allow us to share Christ with the world. How is it that Pittman Park might set this balance in place? Some of you have had the opportunity to see other churches that are unhealthy and unbalanced because of their self-focus and because of their divisions. You've seen where we don't want to go. How is it that we can ensure that our internal mechanisms will always be balanced with our outreach and make us into that healthy and balanced place for doing the work of God? I think it is by our willingness to allow Christ to be in our midst. Paul says in the fourth chapter, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Do you sense heaven with you today? Do you know that we are sprinkled with stardust? Do you sense that Christ himself is shared fully throughout the world? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice.